Hello and welcome to the Sports Bubble. Just before we start uh, this week's podcast, just want to remind you all about our Patreon page, page that we've set up here at the Sports Bubble to help get us better, help improve our sound and some of the qualities of our shows. Uh, you can donate as little or as much as you can. It's a brilliant outlet for uh, amateur podcasters and, and video producers. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash the Sports Bubble and have a look. And as I said, you can uh, donate as much or as little as you can. There's really no obligation. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the Sports Babble. Uh, The Prince of Rome has made his... Timely return to the podcast. Welcome back, Jake. I was lost, missing in action. warfare. Missing <laughs> in warfare. I'm joined by the the always uh, cheerful Jonathan. Hello, JD. Hello. Uh, Mr. Tall is off on his holidays in Canada. Um, he's in Toronto at the minute with a lovely Kerry. I think he was at the Toronto FC game last night as well. So it'll be interesting when he's back in a week's time to find out what went on there. Unfortunately, he can't document it because he lost his phone. Which is devastating. Johnny's trying to laugh. I can get that in now, so Brenton sees it. His cousin's laughing at him. <laughs> um, but Brenton, yeah, we can't wait to have you back. Uh, we've been missed on the show this week, no doubt. And um, we'll get sorted out with phone when you're back. Loads happened. First week of the Premier League season is over. We're all three of us relatively happy. Yeah. But our teams, yeah. our two teams won. Uh, there was a Super Cup last night, which we're going to talk about. Then we've got loads of listener questions that we're going to try and get through some of them and maybe save some of them for next week. And then a few different things, a weekend preview of Arsenal v Burnley, United v Wolves and Chelsea City v Spurs, which sort of the three games that sort of stand out, I thought anyway, in the picture list. Um, we'll start with last night's Super Cup, lads. All three of us watched it. Um, you can go first, whoever wants to say what you thought of the game, who do you think was a better team. What did you make of the game as a spectacle, Jake? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I thought that for, I suppose, a so-called pre-season friendly type game, mm-hmm. both teams were very impressive in terms of how they led out. That even the the, t- the lineups that they chose for the game was an indication of how much they wanted to win. And I think for Liverpool particularly, after losing the Community Shield, again, I know a pre-season type competition, but after losing that game, having played so well in the second half, they wanted to make amends last night. And ultimately they did that, I think, it was a fair enough result in the end. They did create more clear-cut chances. But I would say Chelsea are quietly content with their outing last night after what happened at Old Trafford, you know? Yeah, it's actually a bit like um, what happened Liverpool and the Community Shield where they sort of, the first half they were dominated by Man City, they came back into it and then they obviously lost some penalties. But as a Liverpool fan, you were sort of like, you're happy enough because you, you matched Man City. And Chelsea probably feeling that last night. Johnny, like Jake was saying, after the game, yeah, we lost the game. But a completely different uh, performance, really. A more composed performance than Sunday in Old Trafford. Yeah, I thought even on Sunday, Chelsea were um, were very good. Just for the last 30 minutes or so. Um, the match Liverpool, you know... More than Maston, they were yeah, a better team at times. They were yeah. very, very good. Like, uh, Pulisic was very good. Uh, and Golo Kante was fantastic. But I, I found it quite funny, the picture of 
can't uh, mark and Virgil Fantay. I know from the corner, like it was like one of us against Brighton. Or, or, or is he like you know? <laughs> but uh, as regards to like you know thinking back to like the Community Shield and things, the Super Cup means more than the Community Shield. You know, it's another European medal, and how many of them did Man City have? You know, <laughs> so like <laughs> none. <laughs> so uh, um, I know, like at the start of the week or so, like you weren't really too bothered about this game, but I was saying, is if Arsenal were to I'd be buzzing. Like I would just love us to win some form of European Cup. You know what I mean? I, I definitely, yeah. We were talking about it yesterday on our, on our WhatsApp group, and Johnny's asking how I was feeling for the game, and I think because it just worked and different things, it wasn't really that sort of. Not that I was, I was meh about it, but I wasn't really thinking about it. And then when I got home and I fit myself in another red, hello Connor, we watched the game together. I was very much up for it, like, and really did not want to lose on penalties. Um, and not to Chelsea, they really gave Brendan some slagging. I, w- I wanted me to be able to own the slagging, but he's yeah. Not, he's no phone. No, he's no phone. I can't go near him. <laughs> Just on Kante, because you touched on Kante there. Like, how important now, Jake, is he to Chelsea, do you think? Because Eden Hazard was the, he was the poster boy, the pivot. Pivotal player last year, obviously, but is Kante now that? Is, is yeah, it like Kante? I, I, are they... I would definitely say that he's their most valuable asset at the moment. The problem is that previously, although Hazard was the poster boy for the club and for the team, he had N'Golo Kante quietly working each game and was given Hazard the opportunities, the space, in order to showcase his talent. Ultimately now, Chelsea still have Kante, a very valuable player, but ultimately relying on Giroud and um, and Tammy Abraham up front, those are the, hopefully Pulisic, who's played quite well last night, but ultimately I don't think that they have enough at the top end of the field for Kante's f- labours to truly take fruit, you know? Chelsea had Hazard last night, do you think they would have won? Yes. Uh, there was times... No, I've, I've no doubt about that. There's times, like, and we'll touch on this, about Liverpool's high line, the defence, um, as to why they were getting in behind. And just want to read back a wee bit. Uh, Man City actually have won European medal. Uh, just wanna, that's my fault. I thought they'd none. They won the, Euro- the Cup Winners' Cup, would you believe, in 1970? Even when you won that. So there you are. Well, you know, I mean, it's a trophy that doesn't exist anymore, but this is a one. Anyway, yes, last night, on Hazard. I think that is an interesting point, and... I actually thought, and it wasn't as I'm talking about enough, I thought Pedro was superb last night at times. For Chelsea, like... He, he was decent, yeah. Like, if Pedro was a little bit more clinical, like he was when he first bounced onto the scene in Barcelona, if he'd have maintained that, um, he was such a player in there. But just, like, Liverpool's high line um, was very interesting. And they've had that from the start of the season now. And they've had two games, two... Uh, not meaningful games because the community shield you play Man City still meaningful but say two games Norwich and Chelsea where we've caught teams off offside 16 times 11 times last night Liverpool caught Chelsea offside and then 5 times against Norwich on um, that's, that's, on Friday that's confidence I think do you know what it is? Yeah, but you know what? I would also it is a very it is a very a very interesting statistic to look at that change in terms of Liverpool. It's far. Yeah. It's far. Like people have wrote about it last night. I think it's two things. It's far. It's the fact VAR is in now and Klopp um, is thinking. Simon Hughes wrote about it in the Athletic the other day, and, Klopp, and Klopp's thinking, well, VAR's going to catch them offside, so let's let's push up. Let's. The, the front six, so the three midfielders and the three attackers, you press like mad, and then I want my defence coming right up because there's no point if we, if the way, if I'm playing, if the front six press like lunatics and then there's that big gap, which there was at times in the first half last night, I thought Liverpool's midfield were all over the place. 
and Chelsea were exploiting that so well, so so well. Like Pulisic held or drew in four defenders and slipped the ball through for Giroud, took a goal very well, and to make it one 0 And it was very easy for Chelsea to do that. And another a more clinical team. If that had been Man City last night, even never mind Hazard, we'd have been in bits. But it's some club was incorporated in, and he wants them to keep doing it, and it's a change that he's maybe looked at to say, well, how can I che- tweak this? We talk about people talk about Fergie would have tweaked it by signing one player, one big player out of the thing. Mm. Pep tweaked it last year because he's worried Man City couldn't go off the league game by increasing stricter and heftier fines on players if they did like the most silliest things in training or missed something by like a minute or half a minute. He would impose ridiculous fines to maintain that level of professionalism. And I wonder, people touch on it. Is this Klopp's way of? keeping that freshness in Liverpool's players' minds by tweaking the defence and, and keeping everyone on alert rather than people just bouncing into the league thinking, or the season, thinking we won the European Cup last year, we'll do it again this year and being relaxed, he wants them to be right on edge again. Yeah. Well, like, it, it is certainly, like, it, you like used to, use of Arsenal, right? You're front forward. Like, don't talk to us about European Cups. No, I'm not talking about, but just, like, use, <laughs> use, say we're playing this weekend, Liverpool and Arsenal. You'd fancy that front three. To have an absolute field day, at the minute, just uh, with that high line, just the minute until it gets. Especially sorry with Weller played in that first half. I mean, you would, but I still thought Virgil Van Dijk played well. He did. Oh, I. They they did play well. The, the defense, but yeah, the midfield was. The, the only thing is, you know, VAR is shown it can't be relied upon. It's not perfected yet, as it's shown last night with the penalty incident, and there will be a team that will call out that if you keep playing that high line. Teams like City and yeah. Arsenal <laughs> will we'll catch I suppose. I, to be honest with you, I don't know whether I would read too much into this as a genius in a sense. I would say Klopp has looked at Pookie and Giroud and thought and maybe underestimated Pulisic for pace. But he's looked at them and said, those strikers really won't outrun my defenders and we can take the chance. I would say that's more it. Also, Giroud spent 50% of his time at Arsenal. Twenty five percent he spent on the injury on the on the who was an injury on the bench. Fifty percent of the time he spent offside. Now I don't know the stats, but <laughs> Arsenal the amount of off I'm not joking. The amount, the amount of offsides that Arsenal had last season compared to the first with Aubameyang Lacazette compared to the first season that Giroud was in the Premier League with Arsenal reduced dramatically. And so he is a he's a he's a, a, a pro that spends a lot of time off. Say he struggles to get back quickly enough. Had he got back a few times last night, a lot sharper in the second half. Chelsea had opportunities. Yeah, you know. So I, th- I, I think there's there's a point. I agree with that point as well. Like mm-hmm. I also think though, a club probably looks at most attackers and thinks Joe Gomez and Virgil Van Dijk, mm-hmm. Robertson and Trent. Poor Joe Maddock won't. But the rest of the lads will catch seasons anyway. Do you know what I mean? And like you saw in the Champions League final last year. Son running through. Remember the bit where Son ran through and everyone's hopes and dreams were up in flames thinking he's going to equalise, including these two in front of me. And Virgil van Dijk stopped him. Same as Harry Kane. Harry Kane wasn't fit. Virgil van Dijk stopped him. You know, Joe Gomez is paced to burn as well. Like So I think there's an element of that. They just have to make sure, Liverpool, that their midfield nails it as well because if they're as lax as they were last night, they will get picked <coughs> apart by much better midfield. As much, well, and not that Chelsea's midfield weren't they were brilliant, I thought, times last night, but they're just there's yeah. lacking a little bit of creativity in that Chelsea midfield. Yeah, well, they're going to struggle. Like, um, I still think they'll be fine. I still <coughs> think they'll finish like Europa League spot this year or cup push for the Chelsea. 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 Yeah, yeah. But uh, Maddox, 
I think is very underrated. <laughs> I love Joel Malapis. He, he was brilliant last night. You know, he made wee boys out of people at times. And secondly, Olivier Giroud can suck a massive lemon <laughs> for what he done after the Europa League final. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to get that in there. Just to be quite honest. <laughs> what did you think of... Um, what did you think of Firmino's entrance? Changed the game, right, didn't they? He is ridiculous. Yeah, he was fantastic. He, if ever... There was two players last night who, before they came on, their um, position in Liverpool just strengthened. Trent Alexander-Arnold and um, for Roberto Firmino. Yeah, and Trent, for some reason, has got... You know yourself, you've seen all this bullshit comparing him to Wan-Bissaka. And, yes, let's talk about that, right? Because you were talking about this in a WhatsApp group. This is nonsense. It is nonsense. Leave the two lads alone. Do you know what I mean? Like... Wan-Bissaka is an absolute... I'd love to see Wan-Bissaka and Fabinho and Kante in a triple threat tackling match. That would be absolutely unbelievable in the midfield. Wan-Bissaka is brilliant at attacking and he's very he's brilliant at defending. And I said this so many times last year, I love him as a right back. Mm-hmm. But then Trent, obviously listening to our show, being annoyed that I wasn't supporting him so much because he's a big fan obviously of the sports bubble. He upped his game and he was ridiculous with his assist last year. He's a better mm-hmm. footballer. It's not a bad thing. Like Who cares? So much nonsense being spouted. Which United fans just <laughs> doing their thing with. Like, and even the comparing Maguire to Van Dijk, there's no comparison there. There is no comparison. And that's Slab not a bad head thing. Van, Van, Dijk. Dijk. Van Dijk is brilliant. Harry Maguire is very good. You have a very good centre half in there that's going to do a brilliant job for you. Like, he's going to do a really good job. But, like, when you have people like Raphael van der Vaart, did you see this? After I like, do Spurs. not listen to no, a single thing that Balloon <laughs> comes out with. At the Spurs and Aston Villa game. Now he's quite cheeky. He said, um, we were looking on the pitch again, England against Holland in the Nations League and we couldn't believe Harry Maguire's gone for 80 million because he's the worst player on the pitch. Right? Uh-huh. People were jumping on this thing. Now I, I did laugh. I thought it was quite funny. But there is also that element of people completely downgrading Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire's a very good. Yeah, he's the is. best English centre defender there is with Joe Gomez I would go with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two former and a partnership for England is very very good but leave it out comparing him to Van Dijk it's just silly like the price tag whatever if the price tag doesn't matter anymore either great game mm-hmm. a clean sheet on Sunday so that forget about it but the comparisons are just sure it's so- so- somebody tried to argue that Harry Maguire has a Premier League winner's medal and I was just like no, no he doesn't he signed for them the year after yeah, he after, absolute yeah. numpty do your research, That's, like, what a dick. People are just, they, they're just silly, like, they're just very, very silly. I'd also say, like, who they're up against, you know, it was an underpart Chelsea team, um, a very young Chelsea team. Um, he was up against Tommy Abraham. I think if they're up against that Chelsea from the first half last night, there's a different result. Yes, yeah, But also, Chelsea should have been 2-0 up. I know we're saying ifs, buts, maybes and all the rest, Yeah. Chelsea had two cutting-edge chances that they had to score at Old Trafford. They missed them. And all of a sudden, United's defence are the best. See, and and I think Giroud's going to have a big year for Chelsea this year because... They bloody need to. I don't... Like, Tammy Abraham's movement is is very, very good. Yeah, but he's that confidence, you know. He's cutting edge in front of goal. Certainly, Chelsea doesn't seem to be there. He goes to Aston Villa, does very well and different things. Did did okay at Swansea. But when he's at Chelsea, maybe it's the way of that shirt or whatever, you just sort of feel like... And as you said, Johnny, before the show came on, missing that penalty, that could a moment like that could really be it for him. Yeah. Do you know, we're the same as Adrian saving that penalty. He's not going to be Liverpool's number one unless Alisson's injury is more serious than it is. I have a funny feeling it possibly is than what the club are saying, but 
So he's not going to be a long-term potential number one, but you get the feeling now he's going to bounce into touch wood, don't jinx him, in the confidence now going forward. And he had a couple of really good saves last night as well, yeah. actually. It's lovely to see him so happy. I know people were slagging, like people were celebrating the Super Cup and Klopp going mad, but Klopp was going mad running to Adrian because he knew how much this meant to Adrian. Well, why, so, like, why are people slagging Liverpool for that? Slagging, yeah, they, like, did they slag Real Madrid when they won it the last three or four years in Barcelona? Like these Spanish teams take it seriously. What a load of shit! I, that's just that's just fans just being jealous. Like, yes. what about them nutties down the road from us celebrating the Eighty Cup? Clowns! That's not a real trophy. Is it? Do you that, even know what a real trophy is? Did that really happen? Yes, you've seen them. Their fans going. There's videos of their fans actually celebrating the TV. Like, Ugh. dickheads! Is that a real trophy? Eighty Cup nutties. We'll be back in part two to talk about the weekend preview. We've just picked three games we're going to look at. Arsenal and Burnley, obviously, because this is an Arsenal podcast and I have been overrun. It's um, Arsenal sandwich. Arsenal sandwich. <laughs> then Saturday night at half five is City v Spurs, biggest game of the weekend, possibly. And then at the on Monday night, Monday night football is back. Get in. Uh, Wolves against Manchester United. Wolves beat Manchester United. Or didn't lose them all three games last year. But Drew once beat them twice. So and they're a I think they beat them as well. We'll be back in a couple of minutes to chat, up, or a couple of seconds actually, because I'm not going to edit it out for a minute long, uh, to chat <laughs> part two about the weekend preview. Hello and welcome back to part two of this week's Sports Babble. Um, we're going to do a weekend preview now. We're just going to preview three games because a lot of everyone else previews all the rest of them and I, we couldn't really be bothered going through all the games. It would take up too much of the podcast. And we have a load of listener questions that we want to get to in part three. And thanks very much for all your questions. Keep them coming. The first game we're going to look at is actually the first game in the Premier League this weekend. Uh, and obviously involves you two. Um, Jake and Johnny both drafted in play centre half for Arsenal uh, Arsenal are at home to Burnley nice I know Arsenal have beaten Burnley the last 900 times or something at the Emirates right. in a row and on total it'll be 11-2 uh, in the last couple of games and Sean Dyke has, Dyke has only ever lost Arsenal in the Premier League no, not, never drew with them never beat them he's only ever lost right and Aubameyang scored 6 in his last 3 but I watched Chris Wood and Barnes absolutely tear Southampton and I just had a new one at the weekend. It's very physical. Just Burnley look back to their nasty, horrible, I don't want to go there ourselves again. And would that not worry you two for Saturday morning a not, little bit? Not at the Emirates, no. No? At their place, maybe. Oh, like, so this is a turf more you wouldn't be watching. Uh, I wouldn't be watching if it was Liverpool. Good luck. Like, we still have Lagazettes. Is Lagazette uh, fully fit now? Yes. He was on the bench, Luke Yasson. Yeah, I know he was, but he was... Fully fit. He's fully fit yeah, now. He's he's good no, yeah, he's... We, we have uh, Ozil to come back in with Kieran Tierney. Well, Kieran Tierney's not going to play this again. Like, but... Who, what, what's your, what are your starting 11 then if you were to pick it for Saturday morning? Well, players that are fit. Or... Yeah, oh, I only pick players that can actually play on Saturday morning. Um, I suppose you have to kind of go with Chambers and Socrates again because... They didn't really do too much wrong, and it would be a bit unfair to kind of tag them out straight away. Uh, Monreal will play because Kolasinac is still, I don't know, 
Mm. He's not he's not annoyed, like like what could it really annoy that man? Jack's uh, gonna go mad here. But Ian Zeman and Nels is gonna start it right back again. Like, you know he is. Like, Jake is not happy. Right? <laughs> uh, is gonna play again. Well actually I don't know. Shaka might be about a I would start Torreira. And uh, Gwendozy, David Luiz's brother. I'd also start David Luiz. But go on ahead, sorry. I, don't, I think he'll stick by Chambers. And yeah, he's, a, he's a sort of guy that sticks by. Oh, I don't give him chances. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then those mad front three. Do you think he'll start that mad front three this week? What about Chibayos? He could play, yeah. I'd say Thabaios is more likely to play. I would say it'll be Xhaka, Guendouzi and Thabaios. If Jack isn't fit, obviously Torreira will come in. Yeah. Different type of player. Tasty. I like him. I really he, like him. He is tasty, but I mean, what is... He's sort of gone off the boil. He went off the boil towards the Jack, end of the season. Jack, it's been one game. It's been one game. It's been one game. Well, see, he went one you, see, you see what happens when you bring two Arsenal fans together. I love it. Um, <laughs> and Jake, would you go with that, or you go the same back four? Only you, I, I don't think Pepe is going to start. I would. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, Alex like, will be starting. Something at the back of minds like put push Chambers to right back. But I remember them doing that before, and he got absolutely cleaned by like Aaron Lennon or somebody. So <laughs> no, don't do that. I would, I would stick with the back four as it was last week. Leno and goals. I would go with exactly... I, I would love to see... I would love to see Aubameyang off Lacazette with Pepe. That would be just... It would just be lovely. Home game. Let them out. Let them at it. Yeah, let them tear them to bits. They need to. Because like, that's their strong point. Because God knows their defence isn't the strong point. And set pieces then. That's where I think it's going to be interesting. That's what I'm actually interested to watch that on Saturday and see what happens. Xhaka seems to stand over a lot of the free kicks. Yeah. Even though he's pure dort. He's maybe scored. He scored two, two away last season. And what about when you're defending Is it just panic stations like it used to be? In no, it's not mean, panic stations. Arsenal have been very strong from set pieces, defending set pieces. It's, it's, yeah. it's an open play that Arsenal struggle to defend because somebody switches off and they're caught out of position. It's When they actually have that time to arrange themselves, they're not bad. Like If you look at the stats from Wenger to Emery, under Emery last season they conceded very few goals from corners that is, I think that they actually is true yeah. you know wait, just wait. because it's Burnley though isn't it you're just like oh. I think there are you're, no you're, you're a bit taken hopeful of, of last week they they yeah. done, done the business there they did that. I just thought at times like Newcastle no, they didn't create clear cut chances but they looked like if they did anything about them they possibly could have at times but send it to you still would not be um, comfortable with that defence that's why I would put Louise in it is it's harsh on, on Callum Chambers but last year at Fulham sometimes he God love him he looked, uh, he's playing against Alfie Mawson who would make anyone look shite but he was all over the place at times um, Callum Chambers was actually Fulham's player of the year last year was he actually how like well, they he actually well. done well. Like they put him into like a defensive midfield role, and he, oh, he played, played midfield. Sorry, he played I, quite I think well. The there, thing but... that has helped him slot back into that Arsenal team, although he doesn't have much competition at the centre half position, is that he had the experience of playing under pressure in the midfield. He had to up his passing game, and that helped him against. Do you think that's helped him then? And it has helped him to slot back. I in didn't the know. I, 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 when I, the times I watched him, wasn't against us. Like. Um, he was absolutely horrendous and centre half they were beat 3-0 mm. 
That means it'll be first or second game of the season. They were really, really poor, like really, yeah. really poor. Um, but I didn't know he got play of the year. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. He don't um, play well. Defensive midfield. For a team that got relegated, <laughs> you know, he done all right. Mm. Um, that is, that is good. The club, the club played Chambers right back as well because uh, when they bought him initially, there was talking covering right back on centre back. So I don't think they'll split those two. No, Maitland Lions will. He will. Sorry. I like Maitland Lions. I like Maitland Lions too. Jack doesn't like Maitland Lions, but Maitland Lions is not being like he's covering in a position where Arsenal have no cover. And you know what? It's a. I think for him, I know he loves Arsenal and all the rest of it, but to be honest with you, he needed to look after his career, and he should have seen that Arsenal weren't bringing any other right back in. I know Bellerin's coming back in October time. There's talk of it, for his own career. Um. He should have made a decision. <laughs> but he was going to play, that's the thing. He's not going to leave because he knows he's going to play. Um, the fact is, like, Arsenal were not going to let him go because he's the guy that's going to cover. Left hand right back. back. So, and that's the thing. That's quite a kind of what's been unfair to him because he, he was covered for left back when Banger was there yeah. too. He's just been pissed about for about two or three years now. And it is he's fair. potentially an excellent player. And you know what? Some games that he ball, has a right back. Pass. Fantastic. But yes, but that's, that's where he is at. His, yeah, that's yeah, where he's yeah, at yeah, the... Yeah. the the best of his part sometimes when he's defending he just looks to me that he doesn't care he actually wants the person to get past him or he wants to give a slack pass so that he's taken out of the position Europa League finally was he was very poor uh, he, I think he even gave away the penalty didn't he yeah he was, he was desperate he had a bit of a Miranda I, look, Europa League fan. he set up the goal last week but he'll cost Arsenal more goals than enough this year if they don't get him out of that position and you know every time he does it I'm going to send you a message <laughs> I'm actually going to send you 20 messages we have no doubt his, his, first, his first big well first big test season is next week uh, Anfield Liverpool like so he scored last time he went to Anfield yes. what happened afterwards I know I loaded up and worked on the lot. I was like, "What's going on?" That here? will be that will be a game for David Luiz. Yeah, but that's another thing. Do you want to bring David Luiz in his first game for Arsenal against Liverpool at Anfield? Yeah, because he'll have to focus. After Spurs at home. So that's I would have. I I know you're saying I I cannot believe Callum Chambers for him got Fulham's player of the year last year. Like I I completely missed that and actually put my hands up. It must have been pretty decent in defensive midfield, but. I would go at him I at just, the weekend. I just, I, was... I just think that um, I just think that if you are going to go with Louise, if he's shown well in training, which I presume he will be, it's not if like you're going to go with Louise in the next two games, you need to go with him this weekend. It's also, and I know he gets the stick, and we'll move on a bit as well. I'll just talk about the game. I know he gets the stick because of the World Cup semi final against Brazil. His head did go, fair enough, like it's so much pressure on there, but he has won everything. And he's a leader, like, and he's a cool head. Not can be a cool head, but he's also like he's a presence mm. in your team. Do you know what I mean? You want them on the There fringe. are times like he is superb at the back, and there are times he's a little bit rash. But there's more times he's superb. That's right. And his passing ability as well doesn't get talked about enough. He he his passing from the back is unbelievable, and I think if Arsenal have Reese Nelson as well out wide or whatever, and Laka and Aubameyang, if it's not Pepe. Hello, getting in behind Burnley, mm. pace to burn, and he can start attacks. I, that's why I think he'll go in there. Maybe it's him and Chambers. Maybe it's not Socrates. Maybe whatever. No, it'll be Socrates. Um, it'll be interesting. I think that's that's a good game to start the weekend. I think actually it's a good game to see how everyone goes, and I'm sure you still be absolutely delighted with the win. You'll be top of the table then. 
we'll we'll just be buzzing to see Pepe and Lacazette and like I just hope Pepe goes out and gets a hat trick I know he probably won't but I mean you just want to you just want to have a good game at the end of but he showed some lovely touches when he came on against Newcastle although he gave the ball away for the first like to be honest last, after last week's predictions I said Daniel James was um, United weren't going to beat Chelsea and Daniel James scored and United destroyed Chelsea Yeah. so Pepe is getting a hat trick this weekend J- just on Daniel James that was a lovely moment Like even though we didn't know about support my United he signed for my United and a couple of days before he lost his dad so his dad never got to see him at Manchester United I don't know if Manchester United were his club or whether Swans his club but it, for him to do that was class and see the raw emotion from him was actually pretty nice like mm-hmm. you couldn't you'd have to be a right bastard to not appreciate that and mm-hmm. fair play to him but uh, oh, that's his only goal for them this year and don't score I'm only joking the next game <laughs> the next game on, uh, the big one on Saturday night is Manchester City hosting Tottenham the history of the Tottenham Hotspurs isn't it, isn't it really sad that that's a big game in Premier League now Man City against Tottenham <laughs> <laughs> isn't, it like, isn't that really sad I, you, you'd find some angle that City against Tottenham is a big I, I hate modern football it's well, ridiculous do you know in the 60s that would have been a big game too well like look going by the distance of Manchester City finished above Spurs last season they've been more likely saying Spurs against Southampton is a closer game like to be honest because yeah. City were so far ahead I think of points. what I asked this game is the Champions League game last year mm. and Laurenti scoring and putting City out and went far <laughs> It was handball. I don't care what you say. It was um, handball. This is an interesting game though. Like two of the top three so-called teams to challenge for the league this year going at each other so early on in the season. The start. This, How many times do I have to tell you? They'll finish their Tottenham first. will not challenge for the league. <laughs> well, anyway, to move on and talk about this game. Um, so we had a big one last week, Chelsea United. Now we have a bigger one this week, I think, because of the league positions in last year. How do you think this is going to go at the Etihad? Oh, wait, 6 nil, silly. I hope it's more. I, I, I'm not just saying this. I have a real feeling for Spurs to do something here at the Elliott. I do. I, I think people talk about how good City were last week, and they were. Mm. It's against West Ham, and West Ham against Man City at West City Ham. weren't good in the first half. No, it seems to be. How shite were Spurs last week until Christian Eriksen came on? And Exactly. So... I can't wait till he moves to, like, fucking AC Milan or something. And Dombele, I thought, was brilliant. He was good, but... Again, he couldn't him. really. I thought his goal covered up an average performance. To be honest, he came into his own when Ericsson came on. Uh, they completely. You were talking about for me, no, about ten minutes ago in the pod. Changed Liverpool last night. He completely changed the complex of that game. Yeah, he He was unbelievable. Ericsson times just getting things going. Like he was constantly talking to everyone and marshalling them about. And Harry Kane got his two goals. Took a second one very well. Oh, the first one. The first one just Jack Grealish just so wound me up much. a lot. Like. Like it's just that's just that's just a Spurs goal. They just get stupid goals like that, and that pisses me off. Especially that twat. It'll be it is interesting when it's half five, so it's a nice little tea time five o'clock kickoff yeah. game. Um I'd I, I just have a, an inkling for Spurs to put a bit of a spanners in the work this second game into the season. And it'll be very interesting to see how like um whether Vertongan is fit again. He seemed to be fit enough. On Saturday, like well, I don't know what is going on there. We'll see. He's ready to go in mid in the defence alongside Sanchez or Alderweireld, and if he does start, Eriksson, I I look, Harry Winks is one of their own, so they absolutely adore him, and I get that, but he's not good enough. I suspect that. What, what do you think, of Harry Winks? Because he is built up quite a bit, and I think, 
he he probably could be, he probably will eventually be a really good player, but I think he's just so overhyped. I don't. I, I don't think he's at the level that some people no. think he is. Yeah. I think if they lose lose Erickson, and he's one of their main starters in midfield, I I just would fear for them a bit. Yeah, and it showed on Saturday that he's not good enough to take Erickson's spot. No, he's, he's not. Erickson came on, it was different. He, he could prove us all wrong here. Spurs should go on and do something magical for them and do something mad. But I just I I'm not a huge. I, I look. He's he's Premier League standard player. Don't get me wrong, but. I, is he a top three, top four starting midfield? I'm doing, I'm doing a pat here. Phil Foden Phil Foden is better than Harry Winks. Sometimes, you know, when I hear them talking about Harry Winks, you know, I still think that Modric plays for them, but then I have to look and see it's Winks and realise, oh yes, it's No, oh dear, Spurs fans are going to hate this podcast. <laughs> um, he is very overhyped, I think, at times, and I, yeah, it's not, not enough for me. City didn't even start Aguero or Bernardo Silva last week. City's bench was ridiculous. The answer is shit. Yeah. Like what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it is. You know, it is ridiculous, isn't it? Like like? It's it's just a, such a an abundance of riches. Like you know, it's 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 painful for everyone else. But sure, think. FIFA didn't think they were up to anything but bad. Like with their really? signings, and to only find them what half of Aguero's weekly wage. Ah, uh, uh, it, it's corrupt. It's obviously corrupt. You know, there's obviously a couple of the brown envelopes going under, under uh, the table. Brown like, suitcases. Like. Let's be honest, City should have been out of the Champions League and we should have been in it. We should have been going for this year. They still might. There's that, oh, it's a separate investigation. That's not going to happen. They're going to It'd be delightful if it was. Yeah, do you not think it's very interesting like, that Pep went to, was at Barcelona and he had that guy as his technical director. and Tiki Bergstein. Yeah, came in as his technical director at City as well. Like, you know, it's it's all very close shop, like the people that he works with. and hmm. It's interesting. Something to watch. Yeah, it's some, I think there's something to look into. Like, and it isn't just... This isn't just non-City fans uh, being fed up with Pep winning leagues or whatever. It isn't that. There is something there, like, suspicious or something about him. Like, the whole Brescia thing and the, and the doping yeah. and stuff. I know, whatever, after that. It's interesting reading into it, like, um, and that he, he claimed that he was he was innocent in the whole thing. That's fair enough that he, he didn't knowingly then, take did anything. You, did you see the whole thing about Mares not being put out into the Community Shield squad because he would have failed the drugs test? Yeah. And the... A, the Algerian national team and their doctors and medical clinicians were blamed for that. You know, it's it's there's like I would have just went and drug tested in there and then. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's pull him in. It's more on the juice because he played unbelievable last weekend. That, it, would, that would explain a lot. He took something for like a cold or whatever when he was at was African a, Cup of Nations. Uh, a cold. And it, it wasn't. Can he give some of that to Ozil because he's always got the bloody cold. They, they weren't able to tell Man City exactly what it was. Um, and they won. He was captain as they won the African Cup of Nations. So, so they they couldn't make sure that he wouldn't be. Your uh, city owned by is it? Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Uh. United Arab United Arab isn't it? So, just on that, like, why didn't Dopen Control just go right? Come here, you like you know one of those big hooks you see in cartoons to grab someone by the neck and fish uh-huh. him out of it. Right, Marius, you're getting tested. Surely there had to be some investigation there, even for the. To maintain the integrity of the African Cup of Nations, you know, had he been on this illegal substance for the final, which could have impacted, which he was obviously majorly the result. He obviously had been on it throughout the competition. That's well, the impression. Well, when, when his piss was glowing in the dark, I should have known there and then that he was on steroids. <laughs> like, like a lightsaber going on here. Like, right, okay, you're getting arrested. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it was very weird. There's something. I don't know. There's something. 
the suspicious about it's Man City completely. But I, I still think it's going to be very difficult to stop them this season. Although in all competitions, in yeah. all competitions, I still think though there's a mental issue in terms of the Champions League. So don't be surprised if there's another exit in that competition. I don't know whether they'll win it. I don't think they'll win it this year. No, either do I. Funny, but you know, you never. Double know. European champions coming your way. Mm. Um, the game, the game on the the well. The game Monday night though month this weekend's pretty decent Friday yeah. night ITV now have La Liga Brilliant. Barcelona on then we've got Arsenal on Saturday City Spurs uh, on Saturday night can't remember who's on Sunday it'll be decent anyway Chelsea Leicester Chelsea Leicester boom and then Monday night it's Wolverhampton Wanderers hosting Manchester of the United tasty like that is a tasty wee game of a Monday night isn't it couldn't beat Wolves last year. Could our, our brothers in red couldn't get near them? Mm, let's see how they get on because they're they were delighted. I I know quite a few Man United fans and they'll be completely honest. They never expected to beat Chelsea the way they did last week. So I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go into this game confident or not, but they I probably will. They should go into it very confident. You know, it's I, Wolves. It is Wolves, and it's at Molyneux. It's a very difficult place to go, but I think they should. They've just beaten Chelsea four 0 They should be getting into this game with a adamant that they're going to win and they're going to go two two games in with two victories. Yeah. I think they'll get beat. Okay. Yeah, they will. I hope they get beat. <laughs> I think they'll get beat. I, I, th- I hope we'll get through tonight relatively unscathed. We'll see them in the Europa League as well. I like. just think they... Last week, that's why I went for a Leicester win because Wolves were playing Thursday night. Yeah. It, they got a draw out of it. They probably should have got a win because that was very inconclusive, although it did hit your man's hand, so that's the rule. And that's that far rule is nuts. But... Do you think that eventually these thirty nights are going to get? Yeah, they will. Although it's, they will. Monday, it's Monday, so maybe they're but still fresh. They're up. absolutely pretty much the exact team. They're absolutely flying at the minute, Willis. Yeah, like you could only see a, a highlight thing um, of the game the other night. You couldn't watch it because the other game was on. Um, but they were absolutely flying. They were. They're flying fit and they're ready to go. And I think they'll catch my United off guard. Uh, but as you said, I think come October November time. They'll run out of steam for a little bit and they'll have to dig yeah. in deeply because the strip squad's not big enough. I think Crotone is going to cause them United you know, trouble or problems as long as he doesn't get injured tonight. Uh, I'm on the night. I'm the boy from SC Milan. Another, I do, I think, like, Wolves midfield, Neves, Moutinho, I think they'll have enough. And at Will Rampton, first game of the season, Monday night football, the fireworks all go off as they usually yes. do. I think it'll be a cracking atmosphere and I do think United will find it tough. Um, it'll be a tough one for Ollie and his, and his charges but if they come through and they win 4-0 again then for fair, fair days if they come through and they have another convincing win like I would say there's a lot of confidence growing at, at Old Trafford just before we move on to part 3 and we talk about listeners questions there's actually a question about Manchester United which I think ties in well and um, who's the better option uh, up top I can't remember who asked us this Johnny we'll, we'll mention that next part who's the better option up front from uh, Manchester United, Martial or Rashford? That question was asked by Mark McVicker. Thank you very much, Mark McVicker. Uh, I think it works well when Martial's on the wing and Rashford plays through them. They're, they're devastating because of their pace. I think Ma- Rashford has 47 goals in 100 and something games or whatever it is and it's a better record than what the likes of Henri and here and someone else had at the same age Rashford yeah I think it's Rashford it would be me out of Rashford centrally up front I wouldn't have him coming in that shocks me 
It is like it's a daft the, thing. The only is. the only problem though I would say there is that Martial, particularly in the good teams against the against the top teams, he he really struggles on the wing to impress himself on the game. So he starts to switch off. The body language goes. So what I would be saying there is that I suppose I wouldn't really answer that question. I would say, well, Rashford will start in that position up top, but you're going to alternate the two of you. You're going to keep switching throughout the match, and you know so neither of you are really a winger. You're both strikers. But at times you may have to play in the wing because I think Martial, the French psyche, is that that you need to sort of address it in that way, you know, to, to have him convinced. He does seem to switch off quite a bit. Yeah. Could they not play them both? You know, okay. play them too and then play Pogba or Lingard and behind James. Or Daniel James, yeah. Yeah. Could do, yeah. They could definitely. Do, like. They'd be like they're pacey. They are. You wouldn't, I wouldn't they would have scored at the weekend, so like. Yeah. They're a promising strike force. Yeah, yeah. And they're very young, like, so there's a long way ahead of them. And, you just like Marshall feels like he's been around for years now. So does Rashford at that point, but Ronaldo will probably never forget. Start, no, Skirtle no. certainly won't. Fell over, um, and he just all the world is he should have been in that World Cup squad, but he wasn't in his own fault. He wasn't. He was. Oh, he was okay, but you just felt he could have been Who, much Martial? better. Yeah, I just think he's still way off the likes of Lacazette. Lacazette. I personally, I'm happy Lacazette doesn't go to yeah, the that's Arsenal. Yeah, because it's, it's great for Arsenal. People always come back bloody injured from. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the national football during the season. Everyone will know this, so yeah, I hate seeing our players called up in the national squads. And don't even get me started on the Guinea Football Association because they've wrecked Naby Keita because they couldn't leave him alone for the African Cup of Nations, and now he's goosed. You're in big trouble. Uh, we'll come back in part three when I've calmed down to talk about more listener questions. And um, see you soon. Hello and welcome back to part three. Part three is all about you, the listeners, and your questions. And we've actually tons of questions, so I might park some of them for next week. Um, but thanks very much, everyone, for getting involved. Now, we have a couple here. The first one we're probably going to talk about is Newcastle. Because we got a Newcastle question in from a friend of Jonathan's. Um, and it was a, a lovely, long-winded question, and thank you very much for it. I haven't wrote down here. I think I'd do that and come prepared. No, we have two Newcastle have, fans. We do have two Newcastle fans, yeah. Uh, Connor Porteous, big up Mr Porteous, thank you very much. And he's he asked actually the next question we're going to talk about. And then we have this one, I'll see if I can find it here on my phone, um, about Newcastle. It's basically about the nonsense that's happening at the minute uh-huh. with Mike Ashley and Newcastle. And he wanted to ask us, non-Newcastle fans and any fans that are listening now uh, tweet us or message into us after you hear this see what you say um, about the situation in Newcastle and the division it's causing between the fans at the minute and how you think you would possibly handle it or how to handle it at your club mm. I've been through it um, with Hicks and Gillette and I lived in Liverpool at the time I, I was stunning well, studying. I wouldn't really say I was studying much. My mum and dad were paying for me to go three years to Liverpool and drink ahead of myself. And I was absolutely delighted. And I was there when, and funny enough, so was Rafa Benitez, when this nonsense was happening. And you felt um, that the club was being taken from you, right? And like, I'm not born and bred, Scouser, obviously, like I'm from here in Ireland, but it was heartbreaking time and soul destroying. And I remember marching down, feeling it all before the Porto game and the group stage of the Champions League. and and different things and wanting these new owners out. It must be a ho- it's a horrible situation, but it must be so soul destroying for fans that are even from that area or 
do you know that they're constantly trying to go to games mm-hmm. like how would you handle it well you have an owner at Arsenal that you aren't too chuffed about I know you've done well this summer but I mean if push comes to shove would you not change him ah uh, yes well just quickly talking about Stan Kroenke yeah he, he, his son is kind of being the one that's taking more to do with Arsenal Josh Kroenke he's basically told us to be excited about signings and he did he actually came through on his promise so if we could we change him um, Newcastle my gosh he's a bloody parasite and he just buys over companies and just runs them into the ground mm-hmm. he recently bought Jack Wills there as well mm, so uh, he bought House of Fraser and has closed half them down around the country he's not going to get the money he's asking for Newcastle like he's an absolute joke and funny enough when we were in Newcastle at the weekend we asked the guy at St James's Park who was doing the stadium tour when was the last time Mike Ashley was there and he hasn't been to a Newcastle home game since the 30th of January Cardiff at home it's the last time he was there like what a joke he is like he's and you can see he live like, abroad or I don't know where he lives you could actually probably see probably lives away in Lenniger in Ibiza from the Arsenal game <laughs> the, the ground was empty and there was protests before the game and stuff and even you could have bought a ticket for that game at St James's Park on Saturday to go on Sunday like uh, Arsenal done a similar Arsenal fans are done a similar thing two years ago in Vangers last season where they just boycotted the stadium nobody went to games the, the ground was just completely empty and that's when Stan Kroenke and Josh Fever was took notice and there's been a lot of talk that Arsenal Wenger was actually sacked never mind stepping down so Chris actually said in his question about you know there's been some Newcastle fans that are I'm going to go to the game you can support the club through and through and it's sort of like no you're giving Mike Ashley money um, <laughs> the, some, Arsenal, some Arsenal fans have said it not to buy Pima Kiss and all but I just think because Pima Kiss was shite nobody wanted to buy them anyway uh, the boycott of going to games but at the same time there's always going to be somebody there to text your ticket mm-hmm. and if they pay for their season ticket anyway you know Mike Ashley still got his money it's a hard it's a hard thing especially for you know Geordies like they're one team city like they're like they're their stadium's unbelievable but they're great fans as well and I always want to see Newcastle do well but I just wish my gosh would piss off and just let them have their club back like because yeah. it's just it's ridiculous and what I didn't like about St James Park when I was there I was just sports direct sports direct sports direct it just makes it look terrible and even like when we were giving Chris pictures and stuff in front of like the pitch and all like see a sports direct behind him in the picture like and it just doesn't look good nah I don't I don't buy anything in Sports Direct. No. F- because of Newcastle, mostly because of Fletch. Or it's his nickname, Connor Portis, my friend from Uni, that's a Newcastle fan. But I just always feel bad. You know, I kind of just feel like, nah, don't do it. And like you're talking about season ticket holders. He was a season ticket holder, as I mentioned last week, I think, or the week before. Mm-hmm. And him and his dad give their season tickets up. Like, we're three fans from over here. We know how hard it is to get season tickets for our team. Like, mm-hmm. uh, He's obviously, his dad's a Geordie, and they get them there, and then to give a season ticket up mm. and for the grounds because of your owner mm. it's a pretty harrowing thing to think of as a football fan like yeah it's a pretty shit thing like it's pretty like like you were offered a season ticket this year at Arsenal right. weren't you and like but even if you'd have got it and then just to give it up it would be a really difficult thing to do like it's really right. your bank account was thank you for <laughs> your bank the thing, the thing I suppose that strikes me about this situation although it, there are no winners here and the Newcastle fans are the ones who ultimately will fall on their swords really because they're the ones who suffer Mike Ashley won't suffer and the players continue to get their wages 
But I always go back to the fact when you started to follow that team, you idolised players on the team. Yeah. You didn't think about who owned the club, who ran the club, who was on the, the board, any of that. You fell in love with the game and with the team because of players that were on it. Yeah. So my, my thing, the advice I would give to fans at all times is ally yourselves, stay behind the team. Because ultimately, you are the one who will miss out. You will miss out on the years of following your team, following those players for the sake of someone else who really, as we know, cares very little yeah. about the club. It's a tough one. Like I, I, Flex knows I side with him on this. He, he, said, he would say that, he did say today when I asked him this question, um, that those that pay and continue to pay to go to the game are scabs and they're part of the problem. He, he feels really strong about this and so he should, like, because of him, him and his dad, like, but um, it's a really horrible situation that you just hope, hope they get sorted. Um, they have the potential, later. don't they? Like they're such a big club. Like if you think about back in the nineties when Newcastle challenged United for the league, you know that the the fan base there, and they were very close to being taken over by some multi billionaire yeah. as well. But yeah. owners, this is the point, I suppose. Owners come and go, players come and go. You know, fans are there for life. Fans stay by your team, although it's like, yes, we're we're keep paying into Mike Ashley's pot. He's gonna keep staying as long as we keep staying. To be honest with you. He'll stay so long as he thinks he can get such an X amount of money or all the rest. So don't cut yourselves off fully. Although it's hard because we're sitting at this level. Yeah. But I would always say that about Arsenal too. You know, Go to away it pains me. It pains me you know, to give that amount of money for a ticket and all the rest. And when there was a lack of investment before the summer. And realistically, you know, Arsenal made ends meet this summer. Although yeah. the, the actual overall fees for players that were paid seems massive. The upfront costs and all the rest, they balance the books and the sale of Wobi and a number of other players like sell on clauses. They balance the books. They really didn't go far over their forty five million budget. Yeah. What about um go to away games? Like, I, I know, I know. I'd love to take Flex and his dad to an away game, mm. not in the away end, because then you'd be defeat the purpose, you'd be giving <laughs> money to Mike Ashley, but take him down take them landfield or I think it'd been the goose in part you know that and sit in the home end. But, but like, does the away money not go to the Team that's at home, it's not the way I'm not sure that's why there's a 30 pound cap now because yeah, teams were charging so it does none of it'll go to no, so then it it get into the way, yeah. End, yeah. But I think, I think if Mike actually actually invested bloody money, but but he's, he showed ambition, but he doesn't care. That's why Rafa went. Well, there's different opinions on why Rafa went, but you know, he didn't have like Rafa, but he just kind of took that team into Europe, yeah, if he had been given the right investment, yep. Look, I know that they brought in a, a Geordie, a true Geordie, as they say. Although, will the Geordies accept him as a true Geordie because he's taken on a contract from Mike Ashton? And, all and he's happy enough to manage Sunderland. Look, Sunderland, he managed and across the seasons in the Premier League. He had a 29.6% win percentage. Rafa, over three seasons, had four. 42.5% win percentage. Ultimately, that 30% win percentage, I don't think, will be enough to keep Newcastle up. No. Um... Up and down, not good. No, not good at all. A new manager in the Premier League has formed our next question. And this actually came from Conor Porteous, um, our resident Newcastle fan. Uh, um, how good can Graham Potter be? The new Brighton manager. I call it the Graham Potter effect, you know. <laughs> it's, I really rate him. You're a wizard, Graham. I, I, yeah, I, I rate him um, not only as a manager but as a, as a person. 
I think that he brings a lot more to the contemporary footballing setup than this traditional manager does. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that he realises that there is more to football than results on the field, but he doesn't sacrifice results in the field. A bit like Klopp. A little bit like Klopp is right. There is that there is that attachment to an earlier place. Like he went to Ostersons, he made a very lowly team into a very successful team. They played Arsenal in the Did in they the win the Swedish League? They did. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, he is the type of manager that your team would want. And like look, the stats, like I know he's only had one game in the Premier League so far. At Swansea he fared pretty well and and a team that were struggling at times he, he kept them up comfortably enough. But on Saturday they had three shots on target, they had three goals. Now that's a hundred percent conversion. <laughs> that's rate. pretty decent, like under under Chris Hutton last season, this is just last season, they score they averaged less than one goal per game and even worse in away games obviously. And they had a twenty nine percent shot conversion record. So like even looking at those small margins, he knows that he doesn't have the best team. No. He, I know he's brought in Mopé from Bristol City. Very good player. Looks like a, an interesting signing. Will take time to adjust to Louis scored on Saturday. And Andone as well. He but scored yeah. But yeah. at that topic, at, at, the, at the areas that matter on the field, I think players are prepared to give that little bit more when they know that here's a man that cares more about his wage. He cares more about the club than just his wage or more about us than just his wage. Like, mm. it completely changed the formation as well. Mm. Last year, the same, in the same game, was this, did they play the first game of the season last year? Second, I can't remember. It was 2-0 to Watford anyway. Brighton didn't have a shot on target in the full 90 minutes, um, which is grim. Uh, they beat 2-0 per hour, scored both goals. They played 4-4-1-1 with a gross in behind Super Glenn Murray. And this year they went three four three, completely different setup, and at times like just looked like they were quite comfortably <laughs> bopping around away from Watford and yeah. and looked really comfortable in the game and and a really interesting thing was, and I think this sort of shows the caliber and how good he can be, Graham Potter. Watford obviously got a foot in the game between the last ten minutes of the first half and the first ten minutes of the second half and they were sort of all over, um, Brighton, and he made a double sub. And within what how many seconds it was, I think it was Andone had sc- or scored first. Right, well, um, was a Decore on goal. To I yeah, yeah yeah he was involved to make it two 0 mm-hmm. like brilliant pass by Gross down the side and back ball across the box and then um Mumpai or whatever you call him Mumpai, mm-hmm. he rounds the goalkeeper to get the third and he just completely kills the game off and that's a sign I think of a very good manager who's able to learn during a game which is very very important in the Premier League there's times managers leave things too long what, like I bet you get this as well that's why I loved Emery that's why I thought Emery was a f- breath of fresh air he would just change things at half yes time. I was going to say that like, I and bet just you like, he know, does although to be fair Johnny makes, there's still this cloud of uncertainty that hangs over sometimes Emery. he makes two changes wrong, whatever but he's whatever but there were sometimes I, and I love Rafa Nite's to the death like I would headbutt walls for the man I love him to bits but he would leave players on for far too long and Jurgen Klopp would other sometimes I'm screaming at the Fanger TV Fanger as well Fang- as I was saying Fanger did it so much he, 70th minute you would have known okay he's going to make and, but you'd be like so predictable but Chris Hutton was that type of exactly well. that same, exactly like same structure same formation every single week no matter what happened during the game he stuck to that structure and this manager has given players the freedom 
does, to, like, completely to experiment, to do, to, to try this, to try that. And ultimately, you know, he's not lost anything out. They still kept a clean sheet. Clean you know. sheet, different formation, feel good factor, yeah. and showing the gumption and the cojones to make a sub. When the major thing now, though, Philip and, and, and Johnny, is that he will bank that good away performance and result with a good home performance and result. Who are they playing this weekend? Is it uh, Everton? No, it's not Everton at home. I can't remember who it is this weekend. I should have checked that. And we tipped them for relegation. <coughs> I, I, I don't know, know why you just mentioned that in the podcast. I don't to bring it, us down there. It's yes, one, it, is. it is one game. It is one game. Like, I've seen teams have had a great start winning their first game or two and then they end up getting relegated. Like, so, you just have to wait and see. Like, probably West Ham. Well, that's a tough game as well. Yeah. Oh, at home, I'm sure. That's a derby. They don't like each other. Yeah. I'm sure who do West Ham like? Oh, John Douglas will not be happy with that. Um, but uh, the thing is, the thing is, I said like the, the change is the change to, to do that. Put those two subs on, show that he has sort of thinking about it and how he changed it. So I, I, I think Brighton might have. They might be alright for a while this year. They'll need to improve though, <coughs> and it's a good start on their away record because under Chris Hooten, they won five away games in Premier League in two seasons, which is just not good enough. That's deserved to be relegated. Um, it's like Arsenal's away record for thing a few It's not good. Like that is horrendous. Like it is horrendous. But um, the next sort of question is, um, it's just on Celtic. Like, I know it's not. They're not a Premier League club, but we have a lot of people listen to the show. Where we live in Ireland, so a lot of people follow Celtic and they follow Rangers. That is an absolutely horrendous result on Tuesday night for them on Scottish football. I think and the people. I know people don't like. When the Rangers Celtic or whatever lose, group or not like grouping the whole of Scotland into it, but that is an absolute kick in the stones for the coefficient of Scottish football. Mm, so some Celtic fans would even say their season's over already, because yeah, 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 they yeah, live yeah. for them Champions League, European. I know they've still got the chance of the Europa League, but it's nowhere near the same as I can vouch for. Um, I think Celtic will still win the league this year, quite comfortably. Um. But it must just get boring when you're just destroying teams three and four in every week and you're looking forward to the Champions League nights against Barcelona or Bayern Munich or whoever. Do you know, do you know what it's like? like? Now, I actually think Rangers will get closer than this year. We know what it has been like. It's been like when you play FIFA football manager in mm. like beginner mode. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? <laughs> and this is what maybe might surprise you is that you know, I'd have connections in Glasgow and there'd be big... Glasgow Celtic fans and uh, they are born and raised Glaswegians and they just they keep another league they're delighted another oh, league another league, another league. Another league. Yeah, they, they just want to keep driving drive drive so there is that there is, amongst the, the fans there is that sort of strong desire for the league but I do think that their ability to do that in the long term is impacted upon by Champions League. Like, for example, they were linked <coughs> with Rico Henry at Brentford. There was a whole talk that this was going to be a, a three-way transfer. Tierney would go to Arsenal. Arsenal, it's a young fella that they'd taken on the tour this year, Dominic Thompson, was going for a nominal fee left-back to uh, Brentford. And Rico Henry would go to Celtic for, we're talking five million here. Yeah. I read then that he had signed a new contract with Brentford. So obviously Celtic weren't prepared to invest that money because they wanted to see how far they got in the Champions League. From what I've read, from what I've seen, the decision to play Cap- to play McGregor 
at left wing back. Oh, I was a major flaw. Yeah. So why did they not just go and do that transfer? That, Brentford that. obviously there was enough talk Brentford had brought in a replacement obviously Rico Henry is a strong player for them would make a big impact at Celtic mm-hmm. so why not the cl- like we talked about Newcastle two minutes ago we didn't run really poorly Celtic have got away with it because Rangers have been non-existent in that league yeah. for so many years that club has been run horrendously for what they've been able to do horrendously like mm-hmm. and I, Danny McLennan a friend of mine was tweeting me last the other night about it I was asking how are you feeling now because I knew he was so pissed off and he wants Neil Lennon out already and that's not that's not like Danny at all like but so so that it actually I, I really don't mean to annoy anyone here but actually did them a favour because they would have been thumped to pieces in the Champions League I don't think they care though I think they, they want to be in it for the for financial yeah, and they think they're a Champions League club it's like going into the Champions League and having no chance of winning it or competing but but you, know, you think for fans even like even for Arsenal fans ourselves it's fans want the nice way it is the Barcelona or things like you're going to friggin' Eastern Europe in the Europa League which is a balls and Baku for finals that fans can't afford to go to you know it's just not it doesn't have the same sort of feel to it and it's just good crack and you can make memories with your mates we're going to go friggin' to these massive stadiums and see our team play yeah, the no, night of uh, yeah. that's, that's the difference you know and yeah, probably do need to invest as well, but I still think they'll win the league. But apparently, like from what they were saying on the radio yesterday, that Celtic have a war chest of money, and they're just, ah. they're just not willing to spend any. Well, they're twenty five million for a start. Yeah, but they're very reluctant ultimately because they can't make big investment because of it add to the wage bill and all the rest, and they have to be very careful because although they may have money now, you know. They start dealing that out in the long term. That may be money that is most certainly necessary to maintain their tradition and all the rest. Like if you think about it, like Scottish football, have you watched it recently? Sure. It is absolutely atrocious standard. Wow. Yeah, so like, what is the chance? What are the, what is the, unless it strikes a, a a TV deal which it won't because the quality of football isn't good enough. In ten years' time, I I fear to think what will happen to the SBL. I think with the rate of their coefficients and all the rest, it could be the same as Aberdeen the Irish get, Premiership. Aberdeen, yeah, Aberdeen getting thumped tonight there, right? I think Rangers are going to go through a Michelin, so you'd you'd want like both them teams to carry on in Europa League mm. just to keep that coefficients going. And but it's I don't already draw each other because that'd be a nightmare. The first old firm is not too far away. It's in the start of September. So. Yeah. And if 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 Celtic were to lose that, but I think they'll have invested by then. But if Celtic were to lose that, they're if he loses that Gonzo absolutely just gone out the gap see you later boys I think that'll probably do us for this week's podcast Um, I'm not sure if Mr Tall is back next week no I don't think he is no he's not he's not back till the following Saturday Um, so we us three again on hopefully talk about um, that's a a long time without a phone aye yeah Try not to rub it in too much on him, Johnny. He's probably going daft right now when he hears this because he'll be listening to this tomorrow with Conor Breen, Mr. Butch. Aye, um, and here he's probably done nothing but scoop it out ever since I cried. He'll <laughs> just turn up at the bottom of Lake Ontario. You know? Oh, you know Jack's back. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely leaving that in. Uh, boys, we we'll are talking about two wins for both our Redmen this weekend, yeah, next Thursday, um, and we'll see what happens. Looking forward to another week of Premier League football. And as I said before, it, ITV4 has got La Liga one game a week on La Liga which is brilliant Friday night tomorrow night or if you're listening to this Friday tonight um, 
Athletic will battle against Barcelona. What a game to start off with. And folks, Brenton always does this, but I'm going to have to do it because he's not here and I always mess it up, so bear with me. Go on to our social media channels at The Sports Babble on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And we're on YouTube as well. Like, subscribe and turn on your notifications so you never miss anything. And you can get our podcast on all your podcast platforms. Apple, Podcast, Addict, Spotify. It's everywhere now. Um, as I said at the start of the show, head over on our Patreon if you can, if you want. You're not obliged to. But if you don't, I'll send my dad around doors. Um, and look at Patreon forward slash the sports uh, Pledge as little or as much as you want. There's no obligation. But uh, I'd be really appreciative if you could help the lads out. Jake, thanks for making your long way to return. That's thoroughly you're, enjoyed you're all very welcome uh, Johnny as always thanks for coming on oh, wouldn't miss it wouldn't miss it for a thing and I will see you again next week good luck